You are listening to World Harvest Church's weekly podcast. WHC is a cross-cultural church with passion for reaching the lost and hurting. We are mission-minded and committed to raising up generations of mighty men and women of God. If you're in the Atlanta area, check us out on Sunday mornings at either 9 or 11.15 a.m. or on Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. From wherever you're listening, we hope this week's message empowers you to grow and go. And I want you to go to Romans 12. I'm going to read 10 verses. I know that's a lot. I I realize a lot of churches out there give half a verse. Some give no verse. Some give one verse. In fact, they'll teach you books. People give me books how to preach better. And I I throw them in the trash. Anyone wants to preach one sermon and think they're doing a great service to the people, I say, you're doing a disservice. Not only is our scholastic, I mean, our education system dumbing down our students. Now you want to dumb down the saints. We go the other way. I'm going to read enough scripture to gag a horse. I've got a lot of scripture to read. But here's where we go. Verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. Everybody said amen. amen. Let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. I'm not done yet. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good, be kindly affectionate to to one another with brotherly love, amen, in honor, giving preference to one another. Let's pray. Father, for these 10 verses, unfold the truth and reality of what you want to do in these last days to build your body of Christ, that may become a mighty army and a loving family that is an example for the world to see. Make it real, make it alive, and let it be impactful so it changes our actions, behavior, and our priorities In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. 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 The title of my sermon is Created for the Family of God. Everybody say it out loud. I I have been created created to be a part part of the family of God. When you look at God's word, he uses different metaphors to describe his people on earth. Paul used the metaphor of a temple, of a house. He uses a tree, that we're grafted into a tree. If you're a Gentile, you're grafted into the tree of the Jewish people. And said, don't let that branch get too cocky because it's the root that supports you. Never forget that. But he says we also, one of the greatest things is that we're a family. He uses the word, we're a family. Well, the family of God. He also uses the, uh, the metaphor that we're the body. We're the body of Christ. And in actuality, in reading Romans 12, 1, as I'm studying it, I've never really seen it so clear 
as the fact that he says, I have to have your mind renewed. To what? That you're part of something bigger than you. You know, the paradox of our age is this. Through social media, we have more connectability around the world than we've ever had in the history of mankind. You've got TikTok. You've got Snapchat. You've got Facebook. You know, you've got Instagram. You've got, you've got, it just goes on and on. And yet, with all this communication that's going on, we have a plethora of people that say, I feel isolated. I feel lonely. And it's the truth. I won't give you stats, but if you looked at how, people, how many people say they feel lonely, they feel <clears throat> like they're by themselves and in an unhappy way, then you realize that we got an issue. My own son, Pastor Chris, says, Dad, I've got to teach my people at the youth what to do because they're so used to using the Internet that they'll be looking like there'll be one group is on this side of the room, the other group is on the other side of the room. Would they cross the room to talk? No. They sit on their phones. How are you? I am fine. What did you do today? I mean, he said, I've got to say, would you please put your phone away long enough to go see people? But what happens is when you decide that, the, that interaction is not important, you've got to start to withdraw more and more. Now, some people like that, like different people personalities. Like if you're a, what's your type again, honey? You're an introvert. My wife, it's hard to believe she's an, an introvert. Okay, a, a, an introvert is someone who when they meet with people, they're friendly and outgoing, but energy is leaving them. And they want to untap after a while. They go, you know what? Uh, I'm peopled out. Because I like being by myself as well. Which, by the way, you need alone time. Yes. Everyone needs alone time. Because if you, do, if you don't get your alone time with God, you're going to do poorly when you have to work with community. Yes. Amen? There is that balance. You need your alone time with God. That's why whenever I do mission trips, how do you find the alone time? Everybody gets to the same place trying to find nooks and crannies. There's one bathroom for 15 people. Amen? But I find that I go to the church, uh, whatever vehicle, I, I lock myself in the vehicle. I'm quiet. But you need alone time. But I'm a sanguine. The opposite is for me. When I get with people, the more I meet people, the greater energy comes to me. I mean, I get on a high. Woohoo! Meeting people. <laughs> and so we all are wired differently. But the point is, no man's an island. God said, when you are born again, you are born again into a family, and you are members individually, one of another. And, we've t and we found out in the book of Corinthians, we use the analogy of a body. And a body, the way it works is we're, we have different organs. Now, some we have two, but mostly each organ is unique. And the organ can only function as it's, as it's connected to another organ. You know, just that, you don't have a human eye floating through the eye. We keep throwing through spacing. I see you, I see you. Makes, what is that? And he goes on further, like in 1 Corinthians 12, 25, he says, where the head cannot save the foot, I don't need you. I have no need of you. You see, in our world, if we operate by pride and rugged individualism, I'm an individual. I don't need anybody. When actually that's a lie. 
He says, you can't say, the head can't say the foot, I don't need you. The head might be smart. It may have more things in the foot, but it can't get around without the foot. You need every part of your body. Now, some things you get away with, amen? But generally speaking, the organs are there for a reason, for a function. And the Bible says, I just read it in the book of Romans 5, that we're members individually one of another. And the Lord says, you, you as a member have a contribution for another member. And we need to understand what we're talking about here, about the family of God. Everybody say family of God. What, what, what Jesus died for was the church. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 18, I will build my church. Ephesians 5, 25. He says that, is that Jesus loves the church and gave himself for her. So in the mind of God, there's no greater institution on the planet than the church of Jesus Christ. He died for the church. He bled for the church. And so why does he say that? Number one, never say, I don't need someone. It's the height of arrogance and pride. Because you actually do. Because you cannot fulfill the call of God without the other brothers and sisters. You alone are nothing. It's only as we connect with others that we really have significance. And so what does it mean? We've got to up the priority, the value, and the importance of the church. And I'm not just talking about the, the universal church. I understand about the universal church. When you're born again, you're baptized into the body of Christ, and therefore you'll be water baptized. We had 11, 12 people baptized Wednesday right here. You're baptized in the body of Christ. That's one of the great baptisms. You, you are ushered into the family of God. But Jesus committed everything for the church. And if you say you're committed to Christ... And you're not committed to the church. That's an oxymoron. I didn't call you a moron. I said you're an, it's an oxymoron. <laughs> Which simply means it doesn't make sense. Because your commitment to Christ must follow with your commitment to the local body. It's a local body. A local body. There was a church of Colossae. There was a church of Philippi. There was a church of Ephesus. There were the seven churches of the book of Revelation. And Jesus has something for every church. There is a local church. Ever say local church. Now, I realize some people were not called to pastor. They did not get the call. They just went down to Best Buy and bought a microphone. And off they went. And they said, I are a pastor. I've been in those churches. Deader than a hammer. Been preaching Jesus 50 years. And the three people are watching barely can say hallelujah. No, you missed it. You missed it. You missed it. I'm, I'm telling you. You understand this, but I'm talking about a church that is thriving, vibrant, and the, and the pastor is not because of me, because I don't want the job. If you get my testimony, I did not want the job. <laughs> I try to talk God out of the job. But I do know this. He called me, and he sent me here. He sent me to this city. It was, it was a call from God. I got a rhema from God. He said, raise up a church. That will raise up men and women of God that will go to the nations of the world and will be evangelistic in nature. They'll be soul winning. And yes, we'll be a family that will gather together. And yes, we'll have discipleship. And yes, we'll raise up leaders. And yes, we'll have worship. And yes, we'll do all these other things that help people fulfill their ministry. But the biggest thing we are is that we're a family. And that we've been put in this family by Almighty God. And how you relate to the family is vitally important to God. See, God knows he's not stupid. Every verse in the Bible, he has a reason for putting it there. He said, let me tell you this. He says, some of the members you think that are less honorable. 
You know, you, there are eight types of five different things going on at one time. You look at someone else and say, well, they're moving slow. I don't really need them. You know what the Lord said? To those that seem to have less honor, give a more abundant honor. It's almost like saying, slow down, hot shot. Realize that you can't do this without everybody. And there are things that everyone has that someone else doesn't have. And so the key to the ministry is connect with others. You can't do that without humbling yourself. You can't do that without being forbearing, forgiving, and loving. But what drives you above everything else is that the church of Jesus Christ is the highest institution on the planet. Jesus gave his life for it. But what we do in America, we, we, we treat church like it's a Kiwanis club. A Rotary Club. Like, I could take it or leave it. Doesn't really matter to me. I'm good. And the whole thing with COVID, people got out of the habit of going to church. And so they watch on video, like some of you. And if you're out of town and you can't get here, it's a great tool. But if you're in town and you're on your PJs and you've got a cup of coffee and you've already gone to the bathroom twice and missed part of the sermon... And the chances of you rewinding and getting it from the recording are slight and slim to naught. But you need to understand, the devil did that to separate us. Because let me say this, your connectivity to the body brings about the connectivity to God. And I say this to you, the more connected you are to God, the more connected you'll be to your brother and sister in Christ. Because, because God values them. It's the truth. They can give you something that you don't even know. Amen. And the church is a place that keeps you from backsliding. I don't know a better place to be in the house where people get to know you and get to know them. Get past the, hey, bro, hey, sis. Get to know, they actually have names. We got to learn how to learn to, learn, to know each other. Therefore, we have small groups. We have, we have all kinds of groups, but you need to connect, connect, connect. But I want to, but my, but my, the purpose of this sermon today is to kind of lift up the value of the body of Christ and to know how it's vitally important for you to function. Now, love is the foundation for every commandment of God. Love is. First four commandments, how to love God. The remaining six, how to love one another. And love, God wants us to grow in love. He says in 1 Corinthians 14, 1, make love your aim, your highest aim. You cannot grow love in isolation. You can only grow love by running, rubbing shoulders with your brothers and sisters in Christ. Because everybody is always loving. Ooh, that's a stretch. You can be kind to people, then they'll be unkind to you. In church, things happen in church. You may be disappointed. I might even tick you off. I've had people ticked off all kinds of things, even as I'm preaching. I didn't look at them long enough. I've had everything come to me. One man said, I'm leaving the church because you look mean at me. Mean? Where were you? I was over here. I don't even remember you. <laughs> right there. He says, I'm leaving because of that. Seriously? You know what about people? If you want to be a strong member for Christ, you want to learn, you want to grow in love, grow in patience, and mature. When you plant, when you get the word of God, this is your house. Now don't take seven years to figure out this is your house. I'll give you a year. But after a year, you're slow. Come forward for prayer in Jesus' name. 
Let the Lord unstop your ears. But you got to hear from heaven, where am I supposed to be? And I'm not here to control anybody. You go where you're fed, you're fed the best and you grow the quickest. But in this church, I'm all about growing you. I want God has called me to raise up leaders. This is a leadership-raising church. If you don't want to be a leader, you want to stay a spiritual pygmy, uh, then we're not the church for you. Because we do not pet the flesh here. Neither do we pet devils. We slap the flesh and we cast out devils. Amen. Well, how do I know if I have a devil? When in doubt, we cast it out. We'll tell you what, we don't play. No, we don't, we, don't, we, don't, we don't play with religious things. I don't have time to play religious games. The time is too short. Hell is too hot. Jesus is coming soon. We got to get to get. Come on, we got to get to get. We're not here to play. Well, you might offend people. You know what? Like I said, I'm trying to get out of this job. If I can just get everybody out of here. Oh, Jesus, no one wants to come. Well, you preach them out. Well, no, I preach them to get the gospel out to the nations of the world. But I tell you what, people want the truth. They want the truth. They want the truth. If you cannot have authentic love unless you're authentic yourself, that's another whole story. But let me get, I'm getting a little bit sidetracked here. But you got to make connecting to the family a priority. It's out of Galatians 3.26. It says, for all the sons of God, for you are all sons of God, excuse me, through faith in Jesus Christ. Do you know what's our greatest connectivity? What makes it different than everything else? Every one of us, if you're here and you're born again, you came through the cross. Jesus Christ, you discovered him as your savior. You bowed your knee to him and you gave him your life and you received his forgiveness and he gave you the gift of eternal life. So because of what he's done for us, our greatest allegiance is to him. Jesus Christ. And Jesus says to us, I have created a family on earth. It was my design. It was my creation because I am a relational God. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost, three in one. And he says, I created human beings to be like me, to relate to one another, and to be connected. And the more they connected with me, and the more they connect with each other, the life of God will flow down to them and to others. So the devil comes along knowing that if you stay connected, the more connected you are, the more you will grow, the more you mature, the more you fulfill destiny. You cannot even fulfill your God-given destiny without your brothers and sisters in Christ. No man is an island. Get that down. There's no such thing as, well, I'm a, I'm a spiritual avenger. No, you're not. You're just misled. You got to understand you need your brothers in Christ. I needed Pastor Bob Wright. Pastor Bob was my pastor. He's going to come later this year. He's on the Board of Regents of ORU. Great man of God. That man, I mean, I've seen all kind of miracles in his service. I've seen wheelchair people jerked out. They came in a wheelchair, walked out, pushing the wheelchair. But that man of God, I was in business. And I felt the tug of the Lord about leaving business to go into full ministry. And, and yet that was a big step for me. And so I went to meet with him. I said, Pastor, let me explain what's going on. And he asked me, he said, well, do you like your job? I said, I love my job. Are you making money? I'm making good money. Are you happy? I'm real happy. Well, just stay where you are and just serve the Lord when you can. I said, man, I've got the release of the Lord. This is good. I was happy that first week. <laughs> then the second, third, fourth week, slow down. Here it comes again. A month or two later, three months go by. I'm back in his office. Uh, Pastor, there's something is happening here. What's going on? I went through the whole story again. 
So he asked the same questions. Are you happy in your yard? Yes, Dad. I went through the whole thing, and I got the release again. This went on for about a year until finally I went to him, and I said, Pastor Bob Wright, I'm a man who's desperate. I said, I made up my mind. I don't care what's going to happen. I'll live. Here's what I told him, exact words. I was prepared uh, to live with my family in a cardboard box under a bridge in Atlanta, but I got a minister. He said, I think you may be ready. And so, and here I go. Where, where am I supposed to go? Yeah, you know what it's like to, you to go from corporate America. I resigned my job. And then, now what? I'm here, God. Crickets. Even the devil say, you're an idiot. <laughs> you, you, you know, you left this great career. What in the world are you doing? But I went to God. And God... I wrote out 10 things, my options. And I, as over prayer, I cross-crossed them off. And I finally got one option, which I remember it was so embarrassing to me. You know what the option was? Go to the pastor, tell me that he's supposed to hire you. What? That's so audacious. That's so... Uh, mm. But I'm having lunch with him one day. He said, has the Lord showed you what you to do? And I'm mumbling, well, uh, <coughs> well... Uh, <coughs> I said, well, the Lord said I'm supposed to be hired by you. He said, I've known it for six months. Welcome to the team. I said, oh, hallelujah. <laughs> it's a true story. And so I'll be ever grateful for my pastor. He transitioned me from corporate America into the ministry. And so you need to understand, I'm very much aware we need each other. We've done the same thing, helping people in launch their own ministries. We've had many people that are in different nations around the world in full-time ministry, but they started here. And many more will follow. But what the church has become is a launching pad. But you need me, I need you. We work together. And we need to value the relationships that you have in the body of Christ. Walk slowly through the crowd. Get to know people's names. And don't be embarrassed to ask their name many times till you learn it. <laughs> what was that name again? Is everybody out there? But the Bible says in Galatians 4, 6, he sent the, forth this, the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father, Abba, Father. God, I have a father. It's you, Father, and I'm your child. Romans 8, 16 says, said the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children heirs, heirs of God, and join us with Jesus Christ. So powerful. Our spirit bears witness. I am a child of God. I've been birthed by his spirit. I am birthed into this eternal family of God. This family, God's family, is more important than your natural family. Thank God for your mom and dad. Thank God for your siblings. But they're only temporary. But we thank God even greater for the eternal spiritual family. And I don't know about you, I'll be really honest, I'm far more connected to my spiritual family than my natural family. Can anybody else testify to that? I mean, that we relate better, we have the same vision, the same dreams. Uh, it, when you talk to other family members, I love them, don't get me wrong, and I honor them as family members, but they're on a different page. They speak a different language, and they think I'm crazy. But that's okay. I don't, I don't really care. But I know one thing. My family is the most important thing on the planet. And I, my, my spiritual family. And God wants us to recognize it. 
Because through the family is where we receive nourishment. That's where we grow. That's how we build ourselves. And so the body of believers, you need to understand how important it is in Romans 8, 5. So we being many are one body in Christ and are individually members of one of another. You need to understand the importance. Say, in the, turn to your neighbor and say, I need you. And then turn to your other neighbor and say, you need me. No, it's the truth. I need you and you need me. We each are different in our functionality. Amen. Okay, don't get carried away. The last time I did it, it took five of us to get you back. So I can not talk to each other in 10 years. It's, it's wonderful. But I want to talk about the importance of your family right here, how important it really is. I got this out of the book of uh, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 11, out of the Passion Translation. It says this. It says, Jesus, the Holy One, makes us holy. And as sons and daughters, we now belong to his same Father. So he is not ashamed or embarrassed to introduce us as his brothers and sisters. Wow. I am a brother to the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're a woman, you're a sister to the Lord Jesus Christ. He not only is my Lord, no, he is not only my Savior, but he's also my brother. Do you realize that God wants to know how kin we are in the spirit that he is our very own brother and our family is so real in the spirit? In fact, the Bible says in Galatians 6.10, it says we are to do good to all men, but especially to those who are the household of faith. Meaning that you need to treat your brothers in Christ more, with more deference and with more honor than anybody else on the planet. If someone says, I'm a believer, and they're in a church, we will honor you. You know, we had about 20 pastors visit us the last two weeks when the shuttles were here, and we go to great lengths to honor these guests. Amen. We provide food for them. We provide all kind of things. It's a lot of work. And we thank God for all of our armor bearers and our security and all the people that work. In fact, give them a hand. They've done a great job. And all those who prepared the food. I want to I brag on our hospitality team because normally I have been to other churches and usually the first meal is lasagna and the second one is spaghetti and the third one is hamburger and hot dogs and then you go back to lasagna the fourth night and you go through. And, and it's all great. I don't get me wrong. It's wonderful. We're there for the fellowship of the food. But our people go all out, man. They got French names, and they got, this is from Germany. This is from, I said, I've never eaten this food in my life. It's delicious. I said, why don't you do this for the pastor? No, I'm just kidding. It's just, I don't want it for the pastor. I'm not into this. I'm like Pastor Willie. I'm just the same way. I'm just, really. Yeah, you can ask my wife. She says, in all my years, of 40 years, I've had my husband. He's never once come to me and asked me, what's for dinner? Because if there's dinner or no dinner, I really don't care. If there's no dinner, well, I guess I'm not eating. You just keep right on going. <laughs> just no big deal. Praise God. No need today. We can, there's always tomorrow. <laughs> I never thought about it. She, she told me. She said, honey, I've been thinking about 30 years into it. You have never asked me. It's just me and Pastor Willie. We kind of hang together on this. And so the church is God's, if you think about it, it's his vehicle, it's his agenda. It's what he set up. And in these last days, he wants you to understand its importance, and he wants you to get a hold of its vitality to you, because 
This is where we get growth from, and this is where we get the anointing and we fulfill the call of God. Now, I want to say that, and then I want to end with this. Because the church is so precious and so vital to getting the gospel out, we must protect it. You must say protect. What does that mean? Anything that's precious, you protect. You protect it. Like you women that have, I've heard some women lose their rings, but one man said, yeah, my, my wife lost three wedding bands in a row, so I just gave her a, a, a plastic band. I said, just if you lose it, what can I say? But other than that, but women, you protect your wedding band. You know what I'm saying. You know, if you take it off, hopefully you know where you put it. Amen? Men, were not the, men are not the greatest. I've heard men get several bands, but I, I just keep mine on. Amen? If you keep it on, you'll never know. It's been on for 40 years, dear God. I mean, uh, it's, no, it's, it's, it's fine. It's, it's all wonderful. It's, it's not a chain. It's a reminder. <laughs> of who's in charge, really. <laughs> I say, well, I'm the head of this house. I'm telling you that as a man, I'm the head, but then she's the neck. That's good. Romans 4.16, it says, let's quickly get on to Scripture. From whom? The whole body. The, from whom? The whole body. Joined and knit together. He talks about the body of Christ. Joined and knit. It's not just joined, knit, joined, knit. What does join mean? Join means to put together. Knit means, if you look it up in the Greek, it has to do with the joints literally in your body, which are got held together with sinews and ligaments and muscle and cartilage, all these things that hold the joints together. There's a lot of things that hold the joints together. And God says, I want you connected. And those joints and ligaments are our relations developed over time. And you got to build it. you got to work on it. I work on developing relationships with missionaries all over the world. And, has a, and as a consequence, I'm literally talking to people all over the world all the time. But why? Because I'm connecting our body of believers with what's going on in Asia, in Africa, in South, Central South America, in Europe. We got a trip planned for Ukraine. We're going to go to the eastern border of Ukraine, where they say it's so wonderful that ever you ask people to get saved, everyone wants to get saved because the bombs are dropping. So if you don't mind dodging the bombs, you can be in a great place to see a great harvest. So I'm not saying this trip is for you, but I'm going. Amen. Will you come back? I'm coming back in Jesus' name. But you know what? The deal is this. Uh, we need to understand that every one of us, each one of us has a supply for somebody. And a lot of the supply is not big supply. Sometimes we think, well, I got this prophetic gift. Good. I'm not knocking it. But you know the supply we really need? Affirmation. Affirming. Find the good in people. Whatever good, whatever is unique, affirm that. Don't just go, well, they're good. They're good. You should always thank these musicians. Thank you for serving. You know what? You just affirm them. Like, uh, thank them. Like, instead of yelling at the parking lot attendant because he said it's full, 
and you don't want to go to where the buses are? Uh, you not. I had one man try to run over my attendant, then give him the finger. Oh, yeah. When I met this man, he said he didn't mean to give a finger. He was just being Italian. <laughs> what? I remember it was Lorna Ross. You know what I did to that man? I set him down. I said, you know what? When you try to run over my parking lot attendants and you give them a finger, uh, you need to chill. So you are no longer allowed in this church for a year. I wrote up 12 things he had to do to make it right. One year later, he did all 12 things. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> He had to go apologize for this and apologize to the Lord. He had to make this right. He, had to, he did it all, which I respected him. That took humility. And then we invite him back in. But we don't play. Amen. But you, what, instead of giving him the finger, thank him. Roll the window. Thank you for serving when it's raining cats and dogs. Thank you for being out here to help us get this done. Affirmation, affirmation, affirmation. Like, you need to go back to the children's ministry. Oh, I need to pick up my child. I need the bag. Is everything okay? I got to go. Why don't you say, thank you for taking care of my child. Thank you for being a blessing. And I'm so grateful that you can write me up because I'm going to serve with you in a week or two. And everyone said, amen. amen. Because you need to be appreciative of everyone's role and thank them. Amen. Thank you for what they do. Thank my staff. Don't rag them. Thank them. Thank the pastors. Thank people. You should have a, just a heart that you're an encourager. That you, the Bible says to exhort one another daily, but the word exhort really means to encourage. Encouragement is oxygen to the soul. We need encouragement in this day more than ever. And so you get to supply someone. You know what it's like to have just a little encouragement. It helps you go a little bit further. Amen? Because you get so much discouragement in the world, and the devil's talking to you, and then your in-laws are talking to you. Oh, no, not yours. I'm sure they're good. But the ones that aren't good. There's so many things that go negative on the world. Does that make sense? The church should be an oasis of love, where you come in and people go out of their way to love on you and build you up and help you. That's what the body of Christ is about. That's why the Bible says you've got to be knit together, joined together, that which every joint supplies. The joint is the relationship. And God's going to supply. But you can only supply if you get to know them. And when you get to know people, you've got to know people a little bit past the hello. I'm from Atlanta. Or I've been here. How long you been? You know the questions. How long you been in Atlanta? How many kids you got? Are you married? Or, you know, your status. Just to, get the, just to get it going. You know, amen. There's nothing wrong with that. Good questions. And then, but we got to understand this, that there is a, we got to get past the surface in our relationships. You got to get a place where you can drop the mask and get past the, how you doing? Blessed, highly favored. That's wonderful. Maybe one day you could say, I'm going through a tough time. Would you agree with me? You know, and reach out to people. Be sensitive in the body of Christ. Scan the crowds. They're running for the door. Who can first get in the car and get out their parking lot? Think about, could I spend a minute or two meeting people, getting to know their name, and offering to pray for them? 
and you might be hurting yourself. But I tell you what, get out of your way. Encouragement. Get out of your little sphere. Reach out. Here's an exercise. For some of you, maybe a stretch. Get up here. Justin, run. This is, okay, this is Justin. Now let's say, I don't know Justin. I'm walking down the hall. Watch it in slow motion. Hello. My name is Pastor Merrick. What is your name? My name is Justin. Good to see you, Justin. You're looking mighty fine. Thank you. How long have you been coming, Justin? Twenty-six uh, since 2016. And I'm only just now saying hello? <laughs> you know what? As crazy as this that is, I've had to train people to do that. Because you know, I'm from a sales background, so it's like genuflect to me. <laughs> but for other people, I've had to train them. Stand up. Walk across the lobby. You don't know this person. What is your name? My name is. That's it. My name is. You know, you know what, you know what that's called? It's called connecting. It's called connecting. My wife has a small group right after this for women. Yeah, it's, it's a good one. Yeah, it's a great group. But you, but you learn. And then here's the deal. You've got, listen, if you want authentic love, you have to drop the mask. And you've got to be authentic. Let me, let me, let me, let me tell you what connects me with you. When you share weaknesses that you're dealing with. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. This, is, this doesn't look good. I was just. Okay, give me, give me a hand. Okay, thank you. He's staff. He understands. But you, if it's the authenticity of your relating that evokes a compassion, a sympathy, and the similar authenticity, and that authenticity, you get real, authentic love. And it's what we are made to do. We are made to connect with one another. To get past the surface. But to do that, it's going to take T-I-M-E. To do that, you've got to slow down going to the church. To do that, join some of the groups that we have. We make it easy here. You don't have to be in a small group, but it's the best way. You say, well, I'm hurting. You know what? Just having people hear you out is the healing. Just having people say, I care. I want to pray for you. Do you know what? It puts strength in you. The body of Christ, we need each other. And then I want to go to one last thing. Well, I got time. Oh, that's good. All right. We must learn to protect this thing called the body of Christ and your local body. If it is that valuable, which it is, is that precious, it is, then be very careful how you handle it. Don't speak disparagingly about one another or the house or me. 
You know, the Bible, I'm just going to summarize this because of my time. The Bible talks about the following people, not you, the others that do this. Gossips. Whispers. Backbiters. Tailbearers. Think about a whisper. I looked at whisper. You don't use your voice. You just use your breath. Hey, did you hear? What? A whisperer more than likely is carrying information that's not all true. Distorted and false. A whisperer. Because a whisperer usually is out of hurt. And they want someone else to capture what they have and start a small cyclone of strife. They get one person to agree with them, another person to agree with them. A backbiter is right next to a backstabber. I remember my sister-in-law, she's watching, hope you don't mind me sharing this. She was in a large church. Her little daughter at the time was like six or seven. And she had a part in the play. Big church, 4,000 members on Sunday morning. So the play went kind of long, the practices. And so she started saying, I can't believe they're making my child wait this long. This is inefficient. This is wrong. Why should... And the people around would say, uh, ma'am, we don't do that here. Please, if you don't want to be part of the play, just take your kid and go. And she felt shut down. But that was the right action. The next week, she's back, and the same thing happens, and she gets she's with another group of people. I tell you what, I can't believe this is going on. And she went off again. Again, everyone around her shut her down. He said, we don't complain here. We don't, we don't talk bad about the house. They're just doing the best they can to get this play out. You can always leave. She said about the third time it happened, she, she got it. She said, you know what? I'm not going to do that anymore because I'm sowing, I'm gossiping. I'm whispering. I am, I am bringing something that's bringing disparagement to the body of believers. Does that make sense? And it's trying to lower it. But she said, you know what? I learned through that. Protect the body. How do I protect? With my mouth. You see, you can find fault with anything. And if there is true fault, well, then come to me. If there's something you do not like, I said something that was wrong from the pulpit. And I'm not perfect. Ask my wife. She'll tell you. I'm not perfect. I will be the first to admit it. I will be the first to own it. And I will apologize to you directly. But don't go around running your mouth and running pastors down in the ground. Because God is very jealous of his people and of the body of, the body of Christ. Amen. And there's also a sense of warning I want to tell you. Because I was talking to Brother Ted, we were talking about history and pastors and ministries, things you don't really talk about in the church. And I will not get to the particulars, but I'll just give you the overview. Here's the overview, which I beheld myself. You at this thing for 35 years like I've been, you see things, and here's what I see. Jesus Christ is the head of the church. He is jealous for his church. He protects the church. And he executes judgment on those that violate his word regarding the body. And normally, if you mess up as a minister, Jesus will set you down. 
or Jesus will call you home early. You're done. And Brother Ted said, he went through the whole thing. He said, I've watched people come against me. And I tell a person, I humbly submit my life to you. If I'm wrong, I go before God and be corrected. But if you're wrong, I fear for you. I won't say what everything that he said. But let's say this. It doesn't go well with people. I want to challenge you in these last days. We've got revival going on in Asbury. We've got the move of God happening. The anointing is going to increase in the body of Christ. It's going to go up. Now, but the, here's the danger. Don't mess with the body of Christ. Don't run your mouth. Don't become a gossip. Don't become a talebearer. Protect the house of God. Doesn't mean we cover up what's wrong. If it's wrong, we'll talk about it next week on how to protect the unity. There are steps to take to protect unity. But I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just trying to warn you that I believe it's going to happen. That you cannot play with the house. Just have before God saying, God, if I can't say anything good, I'm not going to say anything. That's what you do. Well, I know they're wrong. I know that minister's wrong. You know what? That minister answers to Jesus. And Jesus will take care of him. You just need to pray for him. That's what he needs to do. But don't run your mouth. Anybody that runs their mouth, if I'm around another minister and they're running down another minister, I leave that fellowship. I disconnect myself. I don't want that polluting me. Does that make sense? And you get around senior ministers of God. I have the privilege to hang around Dr. Jerry Savell or Brother Ted, or I've had some great, oh, the Dr. Norval Hayes. You know what those guys do? They never talk negative on anybody. Everything's a positive. And whatever's negative, they just be quiet. I've learned from them. Why? Because you've got to protect the body of Christ. Why? Because Jesus died for it. And it is the vehicle which God is using these last days to bring his glory in. And you know what's going to happen to this house? It's going to become an oasis of love more and more because we're going to love each other with the love of Christ. We're going to learn how to forgive one another, forbear one another, love one another, confess our sins to one another, and be all about one another. And the love of God is going to be shed abroad in our hearts, and we're going to be used of God to show the world that there is a place that you can have an oasis of love where you're accepted and you're forgiven and you're given a second chance, a third chance, whatever it takes in Jesus' mighty name. But we have to grow up in these things and not look at church as just some other kind of activity in the week. But the church has got to become the most important thing in your spiritual walk with God. And through the church, you'll be released to do great things for him. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Everybody says, I need the body of Christ. I need the, I need the, local, church. I need the local church. And in Jesus' name, in Jesus name I'm going to allow my life to be connected to the body of believers that God has given me. And he's going to use my life to give out the gifts of heaven that are unique to me, to strengthen and to build and to, and to, and to encourage the body of Christ. In Jesus' name, hallelujah.
Thank you once again for listening to World Harvest Church's podcast. World Harvest Church is pastored by Pastor Merrick and Linda Houghton in Roswell, Georgia. If you're interested in learning more about us, please visit our website at whcga.com. Like our Facebook page and subscribe to our YouTube channel by typing WHCGA into the search bar on both platforms. And we hope you have a blessed week.